Blog Talk Radio. Close all university departments for black, Latino, women, gender, queer studies and so forth as incompatible with science and dismiss its faculties as intellectual imposters or scoundrels. As well, demand that all affirmative action commissars, diversity and human resource officers from universities on down to schools and kindergartens be thrown out onto the street and be forced to learn some useful trade. Six, crush the anti-fascist mob. The transvaluation of all values throughout the West, the invention of ever more victim groups, the spread of affirmative action programs, and the relentless promotion of political correctness has led to the rise of an anti-fascist mob, tacitly supported and indirectly funded by the ruling elites, this self-described mob of social justice warriors has taken upon itself the task of escalating the fight against white privilege through deliberate acts of terror directed against anyone and anything deemed racist, right-wing, fascist, reactionary, incorrigible, or unreconstructed. Such enemies of progress are physically Good evening, this is Clifton Knox, we're back with Punching Left, and myself and David German. It's been a little while, we're kind of getting out here, we're, we're hoping to get on a more uh, regular schedule, but we have a lot of things to discuss tonight, David and I, and we also want to probably talk about a few changes going forward for us as a uh, for podcasting, but uh, how are you doing, David? Um, doing all right, how are you? Doing good, doing good myself. So it's been a little bit since we did our last episode, a few weeks. Um, and like I said, we, you know, you and I have talked. We, we hope to get on a more regular, regular schedule for doing these. Um, but you know, you again, you you've sort of changed your place of residence, a fairly good sized geographic move, and uh, we have quite a few things going on. So yeah, you have to bear with me, David. I've, I've been fighting a cold here for a couple of weeks. That's one reason why I haven't, <coughs> excuse me, I haven't wanted to be on. So just hang in there. I know I'll probably be having to cough occasionally. But, so uh, anything interesting going out there and going on out there in, in the world on your end? Um, no, I'm just just been uh, moving around and it's been. It's been a little bit to get back into pace of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you sort of get out of out of out of the routine, and it gets hard to get back into it. And that's kind of what I think has happened with us on our podcast, which I hate to see happen. And it's something we can we, we've talked about. We're planning on remedying. Uh, one thing that you and I talked about is the possibility of maybe doing a second podcast and doing punching left once a week. And then doing a second podcast once a week, uh, maybe more of a straight 
philosophy podcast and um, and talk about and actually address certain certain different philosophers and ideas uh, on that show and uh, maybe you know <coughs> excuse me maybe even discuss literature film or things things of that nature so and that, that's something that we've talked about uh, what's your feelings on that as far as maybe doing that in the future any, any ideas you throw out there yeah um, a lot of influences probably that are critics and stuff like that especially aesthetics I I like aesthetics I like I'm pretty much a film junkie uh, uh, I kind of wanted to uh, like because Rothbard did that with um he explored aesthetics through writing. He was kind of a film critic himself. And you don't get a lot of people who are in philosophy and economics um doing that. And it they're involved in any form and doing that as well at the same time. Right. When those come when those come together I think it actually makes it all better. Well, I mean, there there were philosophers who who put a lot into aesthetics. Aesthetics. I think when you start hitting the social sciences, <laughs> excuse me, when you start hitting the social sciences, you start to see a lot. Uh, it becomes more dry. You typically see a lot less uh, discussion of aesthetics when it comes to political science, economics, sociology. Now, not not quite so much when you, know, you start getting into anthropology and things like that, but definitely economics and political science are a lot. They have a lot less to say sometimes in regards to to aesthetics. And so, aesthetics for me is a, is pretty important. Um, and, and I think from talking to you and some of the input you've had on the show over the last year and a half, I I'd say it's pretty important to you as well. We, right? Am I right on that? You are. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's something I I I do watch a lot of film and everything. I I I watch a lot of film with conscience. I I don't I don't like films that are just uh, bland and boring if they have no soul to them. Uh, I. I tend to uh, watch films that are uh, first in um, first in intellectual intellectual stuff, but also at the same time I I, I want it to be uh, cinematically presentable and enjoyable at the same time. That's that's what I aim for when I watch movies. If they don't have any of that, any really stylistic um, um, values or any any um, if they have like their values are like they're like when they're the story the story's just like empty and nothing there that's that's all I'm going to view it as Um, what's your take on aesthetics and, and film well uh, in film, I, I don't think that I. I think that half of the film is uh, is aesthetics. You, your directors, that's <clears throat> that's pretty much their entire 
reason for being directors. Anybody can get a couple, can make a couple people stand up and read some lines. Um, but the director sets the mood. He sets the pace of the film. He sets the mood of the film. He tells, <coughs> excuse me, people how he wants them to read their lines. He he's the one that cuts all the film together because the way you do that affects it. So I I would say that you know for me. Uh, aesthetics is probably one of the most important parts of the film, and and you can see it in the films that I prefer to watch. So that that's uh, you know <clears throat> I don't care how much special effects you have if you don't have a story I don't want to watch your movie, and and I don't just mean some linear uh, a, a linear a set of linear reasons as to why you have a bunch of action I mean an actual story with a plot. You know, otherwise you're just watching a form of pornography. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you know, you're essentially pornography is just you know these two people have sex, those two people have sex, some other people go have sex. And in movies without a real plot or story, it's you know, some people fight each other over here, they race some cars over there, but there's really nothing to it. It's just a bunch of stuff happening. It's kind of like, and I hate to do this, but I'm going to pick on Transformers. As far as I was concerned. Um, Transformers was little more than uh, visual, you know, a, a form of mental masturbation. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I yes. I saw it, it as, te- as 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 te- special effects pornography, basically. As as with um, most Michael Bay's movies, anyway, I, I'll say I'll even venture to say pretty much all of them. I'm not a fan of Michael Bay. Uh, Arm Armageddon is uncertain scenes. And on certain scenes, it's a hit and miss. And most of the film was pretty boring. The pacing was boring. And I thought that was probably the better film. That that's his film, right? I yeah, Michael Bay did the better. Yeah, I thought that was the, the best film he's done. The with like The Rock. Um, mm-hmm. That was like thirty. The first thirty forty five minutes were okay. Then it went off the rails for me there. Mm-hmm. And with, it's still with the best like, movie he's ever done, The Rock. No, 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 not The Rock. Uh, Armageddon. And, and um, in my opinion, my favorite um, film from <laughs> Michael Bay <laughs> is probably uh, it's probably The Island. Okay. Um, and. It's still it's got that Michael Bay touch to it, which kind of is he's, he's, this touch to films is kind of like the opposite of the Midas touch. <laughs> so, how does that look? He takes gold and turns it into something average. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Um, I think that there are several directors that uh, get um, they get more respect than they probably deserve. Uh, I don't know. J.J. Um, Abrams. I well, I do think that he is he's a little bit overblown. I think he's a little bit overhyped. I think he's. A, I mean, he's I'm not going to say he's not a good director. He's a hit and miss. Yeah. Well, as I've told you how I feel about 
uh, his style of do- <coughs> excuse me his style of doing things. Uh, he he's a trilogy director, and so he 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 needs to make at least three films. If he doesn't make three films, you don't get the best of J.J. Abrams. The reason I say that, <coughs> uh, sorry man, this cough is killing me. Hang on. Um, if he doesn't do three films, you don't get the best of J.J. Abrams. The first two films are just long movie trailers for the third film. And so you really, I mean, they're just there to hype the actual film, which is the third film. For me, with him, and, and I feel that way. And so, uh, you know, he, he directed a lot. He's directed a lot of movies. And and he's done a good job on them. I can't I can't say that he's a bad director though. So I mean I, I don't know what you're feeling. He's, he's not he's not a Michael Bay level of bad. No, and and he's certainly not at all. He's not even close. He's he, but he's no Steven Spielberg yet either. Oh no no not not by any means. Um, I will say that Spielberg's films too. Uh, even though they lack, they lack uh, intellectual curiosity. They still kind of, they still hit you on an emotional level. I guess you could say that's that. He's trying, he's trying to be old Frank, Frank Capra, and people like him. He's trying to bring that type of sentimentality. Mm-hmm. And well, kind of. Kind of like it's a wonderful life type vibe to his movies, and I get that. And and he's the only one that doesn't have that super intellectual curiosity that carries over. That is the only one that can really accomplish things like that. He's a he's a great cinematographer, but I don't care for his politics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Spielberg's pretty good. Well, just about anybody we've talked about it. Just about everybody in Hollywood, you, you and I are not going to care for their politics. Just being blunt, yeah, you know. But um, I don't know. I'm the, the thing about J.J. Abrams, and I think this is why it is that he is the type of director he is, is because he really started out as someone who did television series, and with TV series, you build all season long to the finale. So I guess you could, it's probably a more astute observation or, or succinct criticism would be that all of his trilogies are sh- very short TV series with high budgets. So instead of having a 10 season run or 10 episode run, he has three episodes a season. And he only ever does usually one season of that of that of that topic. Everybody's trying to do like this, yeah. Bring a Netflix. They're trying to bring Netflix to the big screen nowadays, and they they thought they were going to do that with J.J. Abrams via Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like well, it would be reju- they thought it was going to rejuvenate the series. I guess. I don't think it was that that brought the audiences. Of course not. They came because they know that name. 
They well, didn't he's, go that he's he's working on something new. Uh he's he's got some but he's got a, he's producing all kinds of crap. Um so we'll have to wait and see. He he's got his hands in a bunch of stuff. He's got his hands in video games right now. I mean just tons of stuff. But um I don't know. So so that's I mean, I guess we kind of got off on the movie director, so which is easy for us to do. But I would say that honestly, I, I would really like I would really like to do a show where the primary topic or those the primary uh, discussion is usually on those type of topics. You know, I mean, obviously, we just something we just started discussing today. Um, we don't um, we don't have a name. We don't we can't say anything about it because we don't know what's going on. But we do know that that's something that we're interested in doing. So we'll, I'm sure we can throw that out there as we go a little bit later. Um, I guess uh, some of the other things that have been going on lately have been uh, some of the stuff that's been going on around propertarianism. What do you think of that stuff, David? <laughs> uh, yeah, Kurt Doolittle is a bit of a trip. <laughs> yeah, I. So, so we're both, we both uh, are uh, running social social networks uh, circles with Jared Howe, and and he came that he recently came back to Facebook, and uh, I think his he the, he has his own podcast, so to speak, for people who don't know anything about Jared or what's going on with that. And uh, he came back and said that everybody was talking about propertarianism. Of course, he had some run-ins with, with Kurt D. Little uh, over the, the previous two or three years. Isn't that right? Yes, and Kurt D. Little uh, said to him previously that he ended him. <laughs> Every time he Kurt. makes a claim like that, it just makes me cringe, and it also makes me laugh very hard. Well, he says that kind of stuff, and I, and I don't know exactly what Kurt means by that. I ended you. I mean, does he think that he died? He thinks that he put an end to his philosophy and his beliefs. Oh, in other words, I completely debunked or destroyed you. Yeah. Destroyed your, your whole your whole set of ideas. Yeah, Austrianism. Do you, do you think that's the truth? No. No, and it, and it makes him look foolish to even say that. You shouldn't say something like that, in my opinion. He shouldn't say, I ended you, I ended anarcho-capitalism, I ended Austrian school. Like, he shouldn't say that. I, I he... completed. He, he also says things like, I have completed. Um, hold on here a second. I have completed. I have completed science. You heard that before, right? I have completed science. Yeah, he doesn't use certain words, and it makes it sound kind of funny because he's using a what do you call? What's the word? E prime. E prime. Yeah, E prime. 
Yeah, he doesn't use anything, any form of to be. It's called which is something that Jared pointed out in, in his podcast, episode 141, which he said uh, propertarianism debunked or, or expo- exposed. Yeah, he yeah, he was saying that it's a type of operational language uh, that he uses. The E-prime language is an operational language that is supposed yes. to... Ex- it's supposed to express things in empirical terms. Yeah, that that is, and it's an operational language. What Jared said is that he thought that it was an operational language. He pointed out that he, he essentially lifted it from um, uh, the Discordian groups from the '60s. From oh, like the people who were getting high. Well, they're called Discordians. They're a group of of people who who had some very strange ideas about the world and how things work and how they should be. Basically, Kurt is a hippie. I don't know if Kurt would if that would that hits exactly on it, but he certainly well, he certainly he is a boomer. He is a baby. Well, he. He he tries to avoid that. He says that he's a uh, he says he's a he's from the Jones generation, which is basically the last set of boomers. Is what it is. Womp womp. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so uh, now I I don't know. I mean. If I if I have to pick, if you lay if you if you say you're going to ally up with the uh, propertarians or you're going to ally up with these with the Larkin Roseites, I mean obviously I'm going to ally up with propertarians. Yeah, when it right? want to be, I wouldn't want to be associated with people who are more degenerate than than, than they, yeah than Kurt. Well. You're not I've, saying I've Kurt's heard some degenerate, things, but I don't want to be accused. What? You're not saying Kurt's a degenerate, are you? Um, I've heard some things, but I might be accused of slander, so I'm not going to say them. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to repeat them. Well, well, here, here's what I would say. Propertarianism, whatever it may be, is definitely better than, than lobertism and libertinism that we see out there amongst the and a lot of the ANCAPs and stuff out there. Uh, oh, excuse me. And so uh, I don't see Kurt as an enemy. I don't see him as somebody that that um, is that that I should be uh, fighting against. However, at the same time, I don't. Um, I do think I do think that uh, there are some serious questions about propertarianism. I say when he speaks sometimes that um, that he does uh, sound like good on pretty good and decent on culture and on um, um, maybe somewhat psychology, knowing having some insight there. But when he take when he mm-hmm. starts talking in terms of economics, 
on economics, he sounds like Larkin Rose. He does, you think? He sounds like Larkin Rose? Well, not specifically mm. Larkin Rose, but as uh, on economics. With that, uh, he, even though he's kind of uh, like, he's he sounds like a hippie. <laughs> he kind of does. He kind of sounds like those people that have some ma- magical potion they're going to give you and and they're the guru and he he has all the insight no one no one else does. Right. He's some esoteric well, king. He's he's part of the priestly class. Well, I think I think that goes back to okay. So some of the criticisms that, without going into the slander, you know, what 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 Kurt views as slanderous material, just going into just pure criticisms. <clears throat> Jared feels felt that, and this is I I went I I listened to the podcast, felt that Kurt. One had set himself was setting himself up as a as a cult of personality. That propertarianism was really more was more of a religion than any kind of science, and that and that they were calling it a science, but they were acting as though it was a religion. All right now, I I'm I, I listened to that. And some of it made a lot of sense to me, and I wouldn't have thought much about it except I've seen posts from Kurt in which he said, you know. He he doesn't think now after the criticisms that uh, Jared Howe did or uh, uh, Christopher Chase Rachel's article on radical capitalists, which was also a critique, that regular people were smart enough to understand propertarianism, and therefore, you know, maybe maybe there shouldn't be any education. Maybe they're going to need a priestly class. And my view of this, I, the way I look at this is that what what Kurt is saying is that in his mind he believes that there's just nobody smart enough. That Jared, if you don't understand propertarianism, you're just not smart enough to understand it. That's why. If you don't like propertarianism or you critique it, critique it then, then you're just not intelligent enough. But that's also I mean, called special pleading, Kurt. It is called special pleading. You can't just because you don't like the way that someone critiques what you're doing doesn't mean that they're not smart enough to understand it. I hear stuff like that from socialists all the time, communists. Well, you just don't understand Marxism. Well, how? What are you talking about? Well, if you know, you give them a critique of it. Well, you wouldn't say that if you understood it. So any time that you critique it, you just don't understand it. That's that is special pleading. That that wasn't real communism. Yeah, and if you understood communism, you'd know that. You know, so that, in my opinion, that's what Kirk did there. Kirk said, and, and, "Well, they, they're critiquing my my philosophy, my system, and therefore, since they're negative about it, I guess they just you know, they just don't understand it." Yeah, it's just um, it's all nonsense and silly in the end. He 
if he criticizes, he starts, yeah, oh, well, you're you're not a member of the so-called priestly class, so you can't understand it. So that's special pleading there. Uh, if you uh, criticize it again, oh, well, you're just formulating straw man against me when I really meant this, when he really said something else in the first place. Well, or how about this? I'm just going to lump a whole bunch of stuff together. And shoehorn all this stuff. Shoehorn a whole bunch of stuff in and act like you're attacking all of that and to basically try to confuse everybody into thinking you're attacking everything. You know, to try and take the attention off the specific things that you critique. You know what you call that, Kurt? You call that talking out of your ass. Well, you know, I, 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 I look. You know, at the risk of of going down this road, all right. When it comes right down to it, uh, I agree with Jared Howe on a lot more stuff than I do with Kurt and propertarianism. Doesn't make me Kurt's enemy. Doesn't mean that um, I shouldn't be allies with Kurt. Doesn't mean Kurt doesn't have anything of value. It just means that that ideologically, uh, I'm pretty much in the same boat with Jared, with the exception of one or two items. Yeah. And there's there's not a whole lot I can say about it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on someone who definitely should be my ally. You know that I have something in common with. That much in common with. The the big thing that I have a problem with, I think personally, as far as as Kurt's ideas and philosophy goes is that he boils it all down to he wants to blame everything on Christianity. I mean, when you get right down to it, if you actually look at what he does, he blames all the problems that he foresees <coughs> with uh, modern philosophy, political science, and so on, on, on Abrahamism, on the Abrahamic religions, you know, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, primarily Judaism and Christianity by proxy. So, uh, and you'll use that as a criticism against you, uh, and that's a guilt by association, or, or it can be a, where he's saying um, you must be a Christian is the reason why you're against propertarianism, or you're just a Christian as to why you're why you uh, follow a laissez-faire or Austrian view, and it makes no sense, and it does not apply, and it doesn't stick, and it's not an argument. Well, like for instance, he he called he refers to Jared Howe and Christopher Chase Rachels as Christians. So, <clears throat> last I checked, uh, Jared and, Chris, and and Chase were um, atheists. Now, I do know that they they say that they they have an appreciation for Christianity, that they they like the things that Christianity says, that they like what it does culturally. And so they're kind of cultural Christians in a way, if you must. But technically, they're not Christians, and they're atheists. Now, Kurt, on the other hand, is a pagan. Yes. So, and I see no value in paganism. As a matter of fact, paganism, in my opinion, is worse than secularism. I think it can lead or... Or secularism leads, or they cross they cross pollinate each other. 
in some way. Uh, well, atheism, atheism, and pag- a- paganism and atheism seem to seem for some reason to go hand in hand in a lot of groups. They have very little trouble uh, with each other. Uh, paganism can be advantageous to material ideas, materialism. Um, it can lead down that road. Um, I think that um, ism, um you, you just replace you just replace some of the nouns. Um, uh, paganism is salvation through uh, salvation through own salvation is only reached through culture or civilization, and uh, secularism is salvation is received through humanity. It's just one step, one step more. Right. There's no, uh, there's nothing to be, uh, no, um, perceivable deity or, uh, any... Well, paganism, paganism allows certain things, though, that, that the other stuff doesn't allow, you know, um, it, it, there's really no, no sin in paganism, not in the way that you see it in in Christianity. They, they don't have they don't have a set of overarching laws. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We have the Ten Commandments. They don't have anything really. Most most of the ones I've seen don't have anything like that necessarily. And a lot of them are pantheists, uh, nature uh, nature worshippers. They believe there are spirits and everything. Um, so, uh, but but it doesn't bring anything of value. The difference between Christianity and paganism is that paganism, if you're a pagan, your religion more often than not is an afterthought. Christianity pervades everything you do. You know, you can you can go out and kill a bunch of people, and you're not, you may who says you're going to hell for that? Nobody. Any kind of kind of probably, I'm not sure exactly at all of their belief systems of pagan religions, but uh, I think they'd probably say, if anything, um. Uh, Maybe not all of them, but some of them might say, uh, "Well, we don't have a fear and reward system. How is it not the same? How are you not using the same semantics as atheists in those occasions?" Right. Well, so, and and there's another portion to this whole thing, and this is something, and what I see Kurt doing is the same thing that I see the Marxists doing. The Mar- <laughs> excuse me. The Marxists boiled everything down to if you were if you were uh, criticizing Marxism, then you were bourgeois. Oh, uh, you you're bourgeois. That's the reason why you criticize Marxism. Of course, you are, you're not a socialist. And what Kurt does is when you criticize proprietarianism, he says, "Oh, you're just a Christian. You're an Abr- You're an Abr- uh, You belong to an." Uh, an abryonic religion, 
an Abraham an Abrahamic religion. So, so yeah, of course you criticize propertyism. So if that's poisoning the well, that's criticizing me, it's guilt by association. Yes, and, so, and, and they yeah they criticize Abrahamism and particularly uh, Judaism just as much as uh, Christianity. Christianity. I'm not I'm not Jewish or anything, but uh, but uh, but I do think he does use some like. Jewish tactics. I'm not going to say which, which, but why not? Uh, the idea of I think the idea of suing is as as a residence in Judaism. It's kind of I think as residence oh. from the Bible, from the Old Testament, right? Well, he wants to sue because some certain things were said about him uh, that are probably fairly personal. And unless you have good proof, you probably shouldn't say them. But he also said he didn't care if people sling mud at him. Because I don't, I saw the I don't care about my reputation. Well, I don't, I'm not necessarily a good person, so I don't care if you do ad hominem attacks. So then, when you but do that domino attack, then he wants. Now he wants. But if you do them, I'm going to sue you. He, I don't care if you that, do them, but you do if I'm going to sue you. That that type of stuff there, when he when he applies that double standard, it makes it hard to take him seriously at all. I know. Well, and after he gets criticized, he was criticized fairly hard by Jared, criticized by Chase, and then to come back later and be like. I, 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 after after I've had some time to think about all this, I I just don't think that people are smart enough to get what I'm saying. So we, I, you know, you know what that means? It means we need a priestly class because you guys just aren't high enough IQ to understand my shit. And my and my opinion of that is is that you know, fuck you, buddy. Just because we don't want, just because we don't necessarily agree with everything you say doesn't mean we're not smart enough to get it. We get it. You're just not smart enough to understand that there are those valid criticisms is what I'm afraid of. You, know, you, you need to be careful with that. You need to be very careful with it. Um, on the flip side of this, okay, I, I've got enough formal philosophical training. You're very well read. I've read lots of books and stuff. You and I both know that, um, you know, there's lots of different philosophical systems out there. Right? They all have their strengths and weaknesses. Look at, look at objectivism. It's a closed system and that makes it kind of... They think it makes them uh, iron-proof uh, against all ideas, it's all rational and all logical. If it's all rational and all logical, then it's going to be willing to understand new sciences and not be closed. Well, so, so are you talking about objectivism or are you talking about propertarianism? Objectivism. 
Yeah. Well, but you see some of the problems that she had. Ayn Rand ha- exhibited some of these same kind of traits that I see coming out of Kurt. All right, and and I don't want him to go down. I don't think he should go down that road. You know, one of the things that you have to do is you have to be big enough to if you if you try to start a movement, then you have to be big enough to to let your movement be bigger than you. You have to be enough of of you have to care enough about the movement that you're trying to start to understand <clears throat> that it's bigger than you. But if you consider yourself to be bigger than the movement, you got two problems there. One, uh, and this is what Jared pointed out, you become you, you take every criticism of your of your system to be a personal attack. And two, uh, when you when something happens to you and you leave this world, your system's going to leave with you. You know, mm-hmm. you know where I'm, where I'm coming from on that, David. You know, if if you're if, if your whole system, if you're the leader of your system, and your your personal identity is tied to it, and you, your whole system can't survive without you, which is what I see, I, I, I kind of concerned I see going on with propertarianism and Kurt. Oh yes, then yes, that's a cult. When you're cult no longer around, you're, you're, yeah, your cult dies without you. Your group of people. <clears throat> now that's the other thing too. You just brought out. You said cult the first thing. You just mentioned a cult. If you're talking about having a priestly class, because you don't like criticism, and those priests are going to tell everybody what is proper, what is right think, and what is wrong think, you're most definitely creating a religion and a cult. So, you know, I hate to say it, but I I see a shit pile of validity in the in the criticisms that Jared leveled against propertarianism. A shit pile of them. And you know, only people that can fix that is Kurt and the people that he works with on propertarianism. It's up to them to fix these problems. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that, See, and this is where I stand on propertarianism. Go ahead, David. What were you saying? Uh, I think yeah, having um, having a system like Ayn Rand, but in the end, he he comes he comes from I believe a materialist position, even though you probably would frown upon that. Yeah, propertarianism is just. Empiricism applied to materialism, and uh, I won't say anything else because I, I don't want to be accused of slander. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, in, in in the end, in the end, you know, you can do two things. You can there's you can, there's a couple of things you can do with criticism. One, you can let it get to you and destroy you. Two, you can react negatively to it and and. Uh, or three, you can take the criticism and you can look at it and you can say, what can I do about this? First of all, you can analyze the criticism honestly and come to the conclusion that yes or no, this is valid. 
and then after that, go about fixing what you see in those criticisms. But the first two options are a disastrous path to go down. So that, and only Kurt can make that decision. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, talking and, and talking about some of this stuff. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, propertarianism. We're talking about aesthetics and things like that. You know, there propertarianism has has made kind of a dent in the last year or two, but there's plenty of other movements out there. You know, we've had uh, we've had <coughs> Kasha Vickis on the show. Uh, he's he's got a Metachan, Meta the Meta Right group, uh, which is primarily right wing aesthetics. And, and I, um, I have uh, a lot of good things to say about uh, Kasha. I think he's pretty, pretty cool dude. And I think that what they're doing over at, at, in those areas, working on those ideas for the Metarite, I think it's pretty amazing stuff. Um, I don't know, but good stuff. So, uh, anything? Anything else go anything you got going on, David, you want to talk about or throw out there? Um, it's my first time I've used a laptop in so many episodes. <laughs> because you're back to a place where you have Wi Fi. Yeah. You know, I would get a little bit more into maybe listening to stuff on Nietzsche a little more. Listen mm-hmm. to Julius Evola. He's got some interesting uh-huh. ideas. It's so funny. The court, the court asked him after World War II, the Italian court. He he got exonerated because uh, he goes, I wasn't associated with the fascist movement. No, I'm a super fascist. Yeah, I know, and and you know he actually got acquitted. Yeah, yeah, he got he got acquitted. Yeah, he was acquitted for uh, he wasn't associated with the fascist movement. He got acquitted. See, I'm not a fascist. I'm a super fascist. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> that's pretty. That's that's pretty funny, isn't it? Because because they came to the conclusion that um, he uh, he he wasn't a part of all of that that happened, but. I think that that Evola is an interesting. He, he he really did believe he was a super fascist, by the way. But he definitely is an interesting character. Twentieth century, definitely heavy on aesthetic. But um, I've been uh, doing more studying on certain things. Uh, spending a lot of time with Kierkegaard and Nietzsche recently. Um, <clears throat> need to spend more with them, uh, and I've been spending uh, some time uh, with uh, Mortimer J. Adler, who's a, a right-wing philosopher. So, I'm gonna see, yeah, I just gonna, I'm going to uh, invite. Um, uh, Kashif, I think Kashif may join us here in a minute. So, 
which might be pretty cool. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm I'm working on it right now. He says he's switched to his desktop. I got a uh, on my phone recently. I updated to where it has 161, so to speak, on my ringtone. Ah, okay. From Alpha hey, on Alpha. There's Kasha. If he just joined us. Hey, how are you doing, Kasha? Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Just uh, catching yeah. up on I. Just, wow. I. Uh, I do apologize for bursting into this late hour. I was just uh, watching, the, I guess, the new sequel, Blade Runner 2049. A little bit of uh, cyberpunk there or archaeofuturism. I don't know which is which. <laughs> but uh, No, no, we're, we're glad to have you. It's great to have you jump in with us. Uh, we're just, we just had a discussion. We were just talking about propertarianism. There's been some things that have went down the last three or four days. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a bit of a cold, Kasha. But some things that went down the last three or four days between uh, Christopher Rachel's uh, critiquing propertarianism on his website, Radical Capitalist, and Jared Howe on his podcast, so to speak, criticizing and uh, <coughs> criticizing propertarianism pretty pretty harshly. So we were we were kind of discussing some of that. Uh, <coughs> you know, and I. I and I think you and I had a little tiny, like, minute moment where we were kind of discussing propertarianism earlier today. Um, yeah. The cool. big thing that I – go ahead. Go ahead, Kasha. No, I'm just I'm just, just kind of, uh, uh, you know, you're saying all the, uh, all the flurry of uh, activity around kind of the, the uh, counter-signaling propertarianism. I just saw that Distributus actually did a second, a second live stream – uh, well, this was his first live stream, but he did a he did a second piece against propertarianism and kind of going into the details. He kind of got a Discord uh, Discord chat going, and he would answer questions for the Discord, kind of live for the audience for you know what exactly his uh, his uh, his case against propertarianism was. But I, I'd like to you know hear you go on about you know what Chase said and how how he responded. Well, I haven't had a chance yet to dig <clears throat> heavily into Chase's argument, you know, his, his argument, though I've heard Jared, and, and I don't know, are you familiar with Jared Howe? I am, yeah, actually, so his was the critique I've listened to the longest. Well, I don't, I don't know why, he always used to come onto my um, my post with a bit of a snarky, uh, <clears throat> snarky uh, tone, but... Uh, 
I did listen to. I mean, I know he's banned off Facebook now. They they know his what he looks like. Spencer can't get on Facebook. A few other people can get. Once Facebook has your face, it's like a, it's like being an Uber driver. You know, they they want to scan your face every now and then. Um, well, actually, actually, they released his phone number and everything, and he's back on now again. They let oh, him back oh, great! On. Oh, great! Oh, wonderful! 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 Um, yeah. But yeah, I've listened to his piece the longest. I, I did a little bit with Distributed, I mean, meaning I, I listened to him, but I, I, I listened to Jared Howie the most because I feel as if uh, he kind of does a very kind of a layman's talk. Some, you know, he speaks in very plain language. I think uh, Distributed mm-hmm. can go, Distributed can become very kind of, a, uh, he's very academic, you know what I mean? Uh, some of these guys are and, mm-hmm. and Chase. Uh, but I listened to Jared Howie the, the farthest along uh, as far as what his. Uh, oh yeah, I see. I see a couple of posts now. Um, he's all right. His last two are second to last. His penultimate one is a libertarian appraisal of proprietarianism, which is from Chase. And the last right. one is a foundation foundational critique of proprietarianism. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and one of Jared's uh, criticisms that I found <laughs> to be interesting was is that he essentially said that he felt that propertarianism was really more of a cult of personality, a religion, or just a cult in general. And, and he, he listed some reasons why. And I didn't necessarily have an issue. I mean, I, I, I listened to it, and I, 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 found, <laughs> I found some of his arguments to be compelling. But the, the biggest thing was is that after Chase uh, released his critique and Jared did his uh, critique, the following day, Kurt, Kurt came out and said, you know, basically to, to, to take it and smash it down pretty small, he, uh, <clears throat> I think what he said was, what if everybody, most people just aren't smart enough to understand propertarianism? Yeah. What what should what should we do if if people just aren't smart enough? And I knew the minute I read what he was saying because the way he had worded it, he was insinuating that he felt, based on those criticisms, for instance, that maybe Chase or or Jared, the reason why he was being criticized is that they weren't smart enough to grasp proper dairyman. Right. The response that he he liked in his in the comments thread basically said, "Well, you're going to need a priesthood." Right. And when I see and, and and that to me automatically in in a lot of ways validated some of Jared's critiques, which were based on the idea of the cult, the cult of personality, or it being more of a religion than any kind of science. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Chase is a Chase is a pretty smart guy. Uh, for some reason, either or, uh, he he doesn't approve my friend request. I tried a couple times. Now. Not really invested in his ideas, but um, maybe he has this policy where he only uh, accepts "quote unquote" uh, white uh, white friends friends in his uh, "quote unquote" online covenant community. But um, he's, Chase is not a dumb guy, um, and and I, I have read his work from time to time. Um, let's see, just just going over right now. I'm actually heading to Kurt's page right now to see what he was saying. Um, well, I know that it was a probably about. I guess it, it, it looked like he posted it uh, sometime yesterday evening. But yeah. 
I, I, yeah, I think well, with Chase, part of the problem with Chase is, is that he got docked last year. Right. And it cost him his job, and so he's extremely cautious and tries to keep his friends list down very low. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so I don't believe that it's anything against you, Kasha. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, we've been in the same, I mean, maybe one or two threads on somebody's post. But, yeah, I don't know. Man, um, just kind of, I don't know why. I'm, I'm on Chase's page, got redirected to John Mark's YouTube channel. Kind of not trying to do that. Um, from movies like John Wick, and uh, and uh, I'm not trying to hear that. I mean, I'm not trying to think through that right now. Um, I mean, I have uh, I have a number of disagreements with the left. Um, I'm not looking to do any kind of. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I I told this to one person specifically. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I said anyone who's calling for a. Uh, uh, a civil war or any kind of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, probably it's not, it's not that they're dangerous. That would almost be taking them too seriously. I, I feel as if it's amateurish. I'm not sure what your uh, kind of accelerationist uh, dark enlightenment view on that is. Well, um, yeah. Uh, my 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 position on that is <clears throat> let me hear I I, need to, I I'm not much of one for absolutes so so right. where I come in on this is is that if I were to hear a reasonable argument for it that right um, that made sense right. and was not a, a you know some sort of fantasy where you are advocating something that there's no way in hell is going to happen. First of all, let me just say, for the most part, I mean, civil war in the United States right now, today, at this moment, it's not going to happen. Right. Uh, I mean, today, it's just not going to happen. And and if you want to advocate, it depends on how they're advocating. If they're saying, let's go get our guns right now, let's go out and start a civil war, I'm, I'm pretty much done with them. The reason why is because, first of all, uh, they better have a damn good reason. Second of all, they're not gonna—they're not gonna get anywhere. They're gonna end up dead or in jail. But right. I don't know. I, I have—I have come to the conclusion of the following. This is my position, and I think David probably concurs, and I fall into camp with a bunch of other guys. I do not believe in. If you're familiar with the non-aggression principle, I do not believe in. in um, uh, extending the non-aggression principle to people who will who do not extend it back to you. Right. So as far as civil war goes, eh, I don't have a problem with aggression uh, if it's against people who do not um, have the same if the people who do not extend or cooperate back with you as far as nonviolence, uh, nonviolent interaction goes. If I can't trust a group right. of people. To not to not attack me or to engage in violent activity against me, uh, or when I haven't done anything to them, then as far as I'm concerned, they're fair game. And it's that yeah, it's kind of influenced by with Kurt Doolittle's idea of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I mean, I mean, I think a lot of what uh, I mean, I think in modern day jurisprudence, a lot of what I'm not a lawyer myself, but um, a lot of what uh, I think the the right the right classical bone of contention with the left is uh, <clears throat> they seem to you know with some of these uh, there's, uh, there's I mean there's a lot of kind of uh, trying to get you out of the bread line or out of the soup line if you hold the wrong political beliefs. You know what I mean? You ha- you can't have this job. Um, and I think that the right finds that very anti-libertarian, which it is. Uh, not only is it anti-libertarian, it's anti-liberal. Um, and I think that is that is a violation of the NAP um, to the uh, to the right. Uh, I mean, I, there, there's I've I've heard some. Uh, I mean, I've heard a couple of. I'm not MG Chow. I'm not necessarily in the quote-unquote manosphere uh, that some guys think. Um, but I've heard some pretty nightmare stories out of Title IX um, proceedings where the issue with Title IX is, you know, you can be let go simply for having the wrong political beliefs. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes if the administrators um, <clears throat> they kind of have an oversight or something that could... Uh, kind of thwart their case, what they do is they double down and they, because because the way the law is structured, it allows them to do that. The accused have no rights, per se. Um, they kind mm-hmm. of double down against the defendant, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, there's a real attempt. I mean, if you think about the right as kind of this... Uh, uh, Mussolini type, uh, Pinochet. Uh, they they want to put everything into a military tribunal. Uh, the left mm-hmm. could be characterized as the left could be characterized as a as a cohort that wants to put everything into a quote unquote a commu- communitarian tribunal. Uh, kind of kind of like a well, you know, um, like a euphemism would be community policing. But uh, I know you hear well, that a, a lot of <laughs> you hear that a lot of the racial yeah. justice group. But it, but it means basically right. if we don't like your political beliefs, uh, you will lose your access to the right to own your own property. And I, I think that's very egregious to the right. Um, and, you know, well, NAP violation. I will tell you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kosh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, I haven't read too much into the NAP, but I can seriously see that as, as kind of the right saying, okay, this is an NAP violation. So. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I okay, so on the left side of things, I, I here's where one of the few areas where I do differ somewhat with a lot of the new right. Um, <clears throat> I do believe that historically, uh, evidentially, and, and you know, for, for all intent and purpose, that, that fascism as an initial ideology was a progressive ideology, not a conservative ideology. You can call it fascism yeah. 1.0, you can call it whatever you want. And so right. I see feminism as female chauvinism. And in my <laughs> opinion, it, that is a, basically, it's, 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 even, it's, it's machismo for women. Yeah, and, and so I, well, see, I I don't see a lot of difference these days between the right and the left, to be honest, except for some of us, except for what we view to be the truth. Is uh, right. do you, you think, know? Do you think that uh, Freud uh, Freud's view of women then 
is uh has been fulfilled. <laughs> well, if you're talking about the fact that women have penis envy, I, I think I think in some ways that, that, that there is a little bit of vindication for Freud here. When you look at the <laughs> the way that a certain I mean, I don't think you can apply Freud to all women, but I think to a certain extent there are some women who are suffering from a pretty good healthy dose of penis envy. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- would you? Well, here's the thing. Um, would you argue? Because uh, I mean, you know, Rene Girard, kind of a not really obscure, well known in his field, but um, he talks about how desires are borrowed. Do you think perhaps that modern day kind of a capitalist-powered uh, feminism, kind of the feminism PM, uh, it, it might be causing women to mimic? mimic the male ego and not realize that perhaps uh, it's not, well, you know. I'm a, I'm a, a follower of, of Camille Paglia, okay, and, and okay. She, she puts a lot, of, a lot of effort, and she's done a lot of things. I mean, pretty much her entire academic career has been around sexual identity. And, and one of the things that she talks about with women and with transgender in particular. The problem with feminism, transgenderism, as she sees it, is basically a further degeneration of feminism. Um, it's almost like feminism 4.0. So you've had first, second, third wave. Well, transgenderism, in a way, is, is the fourth iteration of feminism. And the reason why I think that it, it is that way is because there's a fundamental disconnect the women, it's all been completely flipped on its head, the way that the perspective on it. If you, if you view truth sort of as a rational, this is what I was telling you, sort of a rational manifestation of perspectives, sometimes we accidentally invert those perspectives. And what happens is what, what's really, really fucked is that women have got it all backwards. They, they, they can't see it right. What they think is, is well, okay, look, I want to be this, this, and this. In order to, and this is, these are things that men have traditionally done. So I need to be a man now to go out and get themselves a penis, and they do all this stuff. They take all these hormones, and they get changed. Then what they ought to be doing is saying, look, who says that a girl can't smoke cigars and play poker? Who says that girls can't do this stuff? What, what's going on? Instead of redefining what it means to be a woman, they just decided to change their sex. I'm just going to be right. a woman now. I'm going to go be a man. And so I think I think that's where the, the whole problem with all of this, on the, this is what's gone horribly lo- wrong with the left. It's not that the right has lost. It's actually that, that this is how the left is reacting to the fact that they cannot win against the right. All right, we, we 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 don't see ourselves as being capable of redefining the role, what what it means to be a woman. So we'll just all be go go become men now. Oh man, yeah, and that that's something uh, with regard to the you know who's winning kind of. I, I I'm seeing that uh, quite a bit too. I I know I, I, I there's a little bit on the right. Oh, the left winning, the left winning the culture war, this that and the other. I saw it in a couple uh, in a couple things. I, I don't I don't see the right losing anywhere. I, I mean, I'm, well, okay, maybe something, but I, I feel as if the overall momentum is. Uh, I don't see the right losing 
losing in the next in, in the next 20 years. Um, I, I I think that I think things are headed in a notably more. Uh, I mean, I think that I think the right will win uh, post-realism, if if, if if you know, if you want to put it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, I and uh, it's. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, they still, well, the left has a very. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I mean, this is a conversation. This conversation you and I are having. This is a conversation David and I have had, uh, probably a hundred million times. And so this is pretty cool to be having for us to, you know, for the two of us to be able to have this conversation with you. So, you know. But wait, wait. What were you just saying? <clears throat> You're saying that you don't, you don't think that you don't you don't see you don't see the right going anywhere in the next 20 years, but uh, you were you were I remember where you were going you were moving on to something else from there. Oh, okay, no, no, no. What I'm saying is I don't see the right losing. Uh, that's all I've, I've seen it in a couple places now. A couple of bloggers saying, "Oh, the right is losing. They're losing the culture war. They're losing." Uh, and this is more from a, a far right perspective, and, and I, I was going to say I, I don't see the right losing at all. Um, I think uh, you know you're right. I'm, I mean the right is winning, uh, and I think the right is going to win. Uh, they're going to win the era of post uh, post realism or, or post rationalism, uh, either or. Mm-hmm. I prefer the term post realism. Um, you know, with it, the thing the thing with the left kind of well, here's the thing. Uh, the left has a very kind of uh, capricious uh, mood around uh, discussing the, the the semantics of gender differences, and and you're talking about how they're realizing, well, you know, women can't do do this like men, or men can't do this like women, and uh, maybe we need to go biological. Uh, well, wouldn't that be an mm-hmm. acknowledgement that? Wouldn't that, you know, with the hormones and everything you need to add, wouldn't that be an acknowledgement that that genders are different? And, and then the left comes in and says, no, no, um, gender is different from, I don't know, sex. I, sex, uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, yeah, well, I mean, they, uh, I mean, there's just a there's just a long kind of a slow dance to avoid acknowledging that there may be a binary here. I mean, you know, obviously not a not a 100% binary, but um, you know, it has to be like 90%, 80, I don't know, 95. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I don't deal I don't deal in absolutes. So, of course, <laughs> you could say, well, you know, women are not strong enough to do this to do blah. They're not strong enough. Most women can't run a jackhammer. But eventually, right. if you if you take a thousand women out there, there's probably gonna you're probably gonna find a couple of women that are strong enough to run a jackhammer and do it well. Right. And so so you have to you have to as as a conservative male you have to acknowledge that because one of, here's the in my opinion what really makes today's conservatives conservative is what we want versus versus in typical most conservatives would have still been in the middle or on the left. A hundred years ago, what we call conservative today, most of us want a meritocracy. That's what we want. You know, conservatives right. are not. For most of most conservatives, most right wingers are actually pretty fair minded. I don't know. I mean, I've had this conversation with David a million times. Would you say, David, that uh, uh, neither you and I really 
have any uh, have any real motivation to go out and murder millions of gay people or 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 whatever. I mean, we, we're not interested in that. Are you interested in that, David? No, and uh, I don't know anyone uh, who would think of that as rational in any way. But, yeah, I mean that—that's my point. Is that here, here's where we're at. I mean, if just looking at what you're saying, you know, you had your answer there, David. And, and gosh, I mean, the what's what's separated the the what we're calling conservative now from what we were calling conservative even 40 years ago is that all the real tolerant people, all the real rational and reasonable people, have moved to the right. Or well, they haven't moved to the right. It's that what it means to be on the left has become so radical. I mean, they pretty much the reason why Jordan Peterson is on the right is because they ran him out of the left. Yeah, I they, they, I had, they well, I had read the hell out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just well, just to interject for a second. I read something yesterday. I forget who it was, but uh, so, someone semi-prominent on the left. Oh, it was a gay man. He just wrote a blog on the New York Post. He, he talks about how I can probably find that really fast. Um, he just talks about how he was vilified for. Uh, he ended up uh, leaving the, the liberal community because uh, I guess he disagreed with uh, Milo's uh, political stance. This was like in late 2018, but for Out Magazine, he wrote a uh, a pretty balanced article saying, you know, this is his life, this is what he believes, uh, not inserting his own opinion into um into uh into in into any of it and uh here let me let me find that uh uh well i i think i actually saw that and i and i actually read it and what's funny about that is that um he he essentially he says i got attacked for being for for trying to do a fair to give this guy a fair shake you know right <laughs> And that's the problem, you know. Of course, with David, David, is, wouldn't you say that whole thing—that's that's a Marcusa thing about shutting down speech? Marcusa, yeah. Um, he wrote a book about in which he basically said that, um, you know, <laughs> he needed to shut down people who who. Uh, Essentially, they, it, it, you shouldn't have people. They should protect speech, but that certain kinds of speech are not are not free speech. Essentially, is what they've said, and that's kind of what Marcuse started. Yeah, uh, the Frankfurt School stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know uh, Eric Fromm. Uh, yeah, he. Had, I've I've read a, more of Eric Fromm. But um, I know Marcuse being a, he didn't reveal all his positions because he didn't want to. I don't think he wanted to be labeled, uh, and I think that was the key. But yeah, he wasn't. I don't think a lot of them were down with free speech. They were doing if if they didn't want free speech, it was to uh, undermine. Uh, Undermine Western societies as to um, so that they can get an upper hand in any way. Right. 
Well, I think it was Marcuse who, who had this idea. I think he called it uh, repressive desublimation. And it has to do with progress, you know, how progress and techno- uh, technology um, and all of the stuff in society, in the capitalist society, sort of reams out or or, just, or or makes culture like bland and it, it sort of represses your your the aesthetics your your natural aesthetic nature of mankind and does all this stuff which is very similar to uh, some of the stuff that Frome wrote about you mentioned Eric Eric Frome I told you I got my my ass chewed by a German lady at a philosophy meetup here about a year ago because I called him Frome. And she says, that is not his name. His name is Frome. And she rolled her tongue in a way that I can't do it. And said it to me like that, very sternly, like four times. And I kept trying to say, I would say, Frome. And she'd say, no, it's Frome. Oh. <laughs> but she, 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 was, she lined me out. You don't mess with those Germans. And you don't mispronounce those German names. So they'll let you have it. Especially something like, you could probably mess up that uh, uh, Marcusa a lot. Marcusa. Well, did didn't you say that you were Lutheran? You were Lutheran, Kosh? Oh well, um, yeah, Protestant. I mean, uh, Presbyterian from my mom's side. Presbyterian. Uh, pretty, uh, Presbyterian. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So pretty. Uh, um, you can say Protestant, uh, leading toward German. Uh, not the not more of the English tradition. British uh, well, see that's one of the issues that I have with Presbyterianism, and and one of the things that Kurt's been hammering for like a week now alright um, first of all he called uh, he called some people Christian who are not their atheists and and yeah. chalked up their criticisms to them being Christian of course he said they're cultural Christians and I can kind of understand that the second thing is though is that he's, he's basically boiled everything that's wrong with the world down to Abrahamic Abrahamic religion and oh. said that um, he said something to the effect that the reason why we perceive I mean essentially what it comes down to is we perceive the world the way we do and we think of it the way we do because we're, we're programmed by Abrahamic thinking which it, to me is shorthand for Jewish thinking and and he's criticized like the Austrian school, and they said the reason why it's wrong is because it's uh, uh, on on some criticism it's, it's because it's Jewish and it's got Jewish influence. Rothbard, Mises, they're all Jewish, so it's a Jewish trick. So it must be wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's. it's I mean. Yeah, it's it, it, a very, very kind of a, a circuitous, uh, a circuitous type of anti-Semitism. I mean, I, I know that word is thrown around all the time, but uh, it's, it's just the, the clumsiest way of saying, hey, uh, we don't want monotheists uh, anywhere near our society. Um, I mean, people have said it in cruder ways. Um, Hitler, to, you know, other folks, but um, yeah, it's just a very windy way of saying, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't want Jews anywhere near my society, um, you know, for better or for worse. Or people who have been taught to think, or people who have been taught to think like Jews. 
Right. I mean, I mean, you know, I just funny. I, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm mean, obviously living on the East Coast and just growing up. You know, I, I, I run into you know Jews every day. You know, and, uh, part of my life. You know, doctor, whatever, optometrist. You know, every. You know, they're just you know we talk about mm-hmm. it. They're like you know they really don't. They really would not view Christianity as Jewish. I mean, it's just uh, it's just so aesthetic. You know. Um, it's, it, there's a lot going on there, and uh, it just comes across as very Roman to them. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously early Christianity, uh, Christians were in contention with the pagans, and they were also, I guess, in contention with, uh, with, uh, with, with the Jews. I mean, it depends. It's either or. Um, I... I don't know. I I just uh, I I'm, I'm mildly irritated whenever Kurt posts something on Christianity, but I mean I'm used to getting it from all over, um, mostly from the left. I mean from from the right, I guess I'll just take it as flattery. So um, I you know uh, I, don't, yeah, I, don't think, I I, I have think... a tendency to view it as a fallacy though. The, the way that it's presented is fallacious thinking. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is that I think the term for it might be, uh, if I remember right, might be poisoning the well. You know, or, or even, you know, almost like a form of guilt by association. Aha, you know what's wrong with you? You're infected with that Abrahamic thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Christianity has done a lot to, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's critique of Christianity can get better than Nietzsche's. I. I think Nietzsche is it. Uh, it's a limited critique. Uh, you know, we know. We know mm-hmm. his dichotomy: uh, master, slave, true, false. I think it's very right. good. Uh, it knows its limits, and uh, you know, um, this idea that um, that we can simply fix. Uh, Fix, I guess, uh, the West or, or our the the neighborhood around us by simply being less merciful, quote unquote. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, that could attract some hotheads. Uh, just saying. Um, you know, I mean. Well, you I have don't to know. ignore. Uh, David, wouldn't you say you'd have to ignore a lot of Western history? To say that Christians have been merciful throughout the, have been extremely merciful throughout that history. Oh yes, uh, they were the some of the first when, uh, even though they were the first to attack, um, that being the Native Americans, they they told um, they said that uh, not to, um, and some some were attacking. Back uh, against uh, striking back against, striking back against tribes that were um, that weren't fighting that weren't trying to attack and and the mm-hmm. church was saying that not to not that it would be best not to engage in that and not not to go uh, fight the other tribes uh, and take them over. And, they didn't listen uh, very well, did they? No, no. But um, the and, and the the church has always uh, 
they stood up against uh, slavery. They thought slavery was bad. Um, mm-hmm. But they. But um, I mean, if if you look at though, David, if you look at the the history of the church, it's not. It's. I mean, if you look at what they did. Um, oh as yeah. Far as the, as far as the Constantinople. Yeah, you know, well, the, yeah. They, they 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 came over, and they uh, they. The prince of Constantinople made all these promises. If if the if the soldiers would come into Constantinople and get get his dad out of the dungeon and put him back on the throne, and he promised him more money than everybody knew that Constantinople had, and, but they wanted that money anyway, and they went to Constantinople. And when they couldn't, they rounded the you know, they got up all the treasure they had, and took it from people's private residences even, and gave it to them, and it wasn't enough, so they sacked the city. These are Christians sacking a Christian city. <laughs> Even though the Pope told them, don't go. If you go, I'm going to excommunicate you. They still went, and then they sacked Constantinople. So and you, you can't, if people who, who come off the idea that Christians are weak, they're wrong. No, yeah, 30,000 yeah. 30, Christian crusaders conquered the Middle East and set up the kingdom of Jerusalem against hundreds of thousands of Muslims. And not not to go too, not to go too far into that either. When people critique and say, "Oh, they did it for all the money and all the wealth," uh, it's like, yeah, trust me, the cost of doing all that to go to the Holy Land was nowadays would be in the trillions. Right. And and the how much money they would get back. Versus how much they spent, it, how much they spent was going to be always twice more. So, I don't think they they were spending a whole lot of money for nothing just to get just to get wealth in exchange for all that. That it would just be spending too much resources to to well, just uh, <clears throat> to just go out and get wealth. Right. I mean, they were basically building a kingdom from scratch. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, and this is the thing, Kosh. Uh, David and I have talked a lot. I mean, I, and I, and I've talked to you a little bit, but I, I have this feeling that really the real issue is modern Christianity. If there's an issue, it's modern Christianity, not Christianity over the last two thousand years. Modern Christianity. Oh, oh, but, absolutely, um, absolutely. Actually, a book comes to mind if. Uh, if you're into uh, if you're into books, I mean, then um, have you well, heard of an author? Them. Okay, okay, awesome, awesome. Generic question. Have you have you heard of an author uh, by the name of oh, uh, might ring a bell? Uh, be not David Duke. Um, no, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, now the, the good thing, good thing. Uh, it's not that David Duke. Um, but it, it it is another. In fact, they had to make it clear on on the uh, on the cover. It says uh, David M. Duke, so that's another David Duke. But it's the book uh-huh. is called In the Trenches. Yeah, it's called In the Trenches with Jesus and Mark. Um, mm-hmm. And here we are looking at it right now. Oh, David Nelson Duke. So they they clarified that. Um, that's the author. And. Um, he just—it's—it's it's an all—it's it's a biography written about a, a Chicago pastor. He comes out of the Moody Bible Institute, uh, turn of the uh, mm-hmm. early 20th century, 
And um, he just talks about um, what's a good place to message you. Just send it on the uh, on the messenger, or uh, uh, how, how do you suggest? I just want to send you a link. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually. That'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, I might even have a copy of this in uh, in PDF. If I do, I'll send it to you. It just talks about how um, just a pastor from the Moody Bible is very influential, and he uh, he's he's struck by the rise of communism, and he thinks it can solve a lot of the uh, kind of the, the the inequality problems. In uh, here we go. I just sent that to you. In the trenches with Jesus and Marx. I'm um, just just a turn. Um, yeah, just a turn of Christianity from uh, kind of a salvation and uh, redemption to uh, to 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 material uh, material equality and uh, and uh, and uh, how that coincided with the rise of uh, communism. And um, I mean. But yeah, modern Christianity has definitely. Uh, I mean, what do you think the turning point was for me personally? Um, and this is back in high school. For me, I, I saw the turning point as uh, probably the loss of William Jennings Bryan to uh, William McKinley in, in in the I forget which uh, which which presidential. Was. I I thought that was a huge turning point for Christianity, uh, the American tradition. Well, for for David and I, uh, David can give you that that time frame. David, when would you say would be the tra- the day that you know the, the major tragedy struck for us as far as religion? Probably it's in the twentieth century. Oh, Vatican II. Vatican II. Yep. Apologies. Brush. Go ahead. You want to? Lay down a little bit of, of of information on that, David. Vatican II. Oh yeah, they changed the structure of the mass. They were no longer in the traditional language of Latin, which had been the language for nearly two thousand years. Uh, they created, they completely new, neutralized sex on lay persons and people who, well, altar persons really, and they were called altar persons instead of altar just altar boys. Uh, so now girls could do it. They started uh, instead of the priest face an ad orientum. Uh, he used to face the cross, and now 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 he faces the people. And that change, and he consecrates in front of the people instead of front of the cross. And uh. And then you're receiving communion in the hand instead of in the mouth or by kneeling. Now kneeling nowadays, you might the priest might say, "Get up, you look awkward," and 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 that never was the case before. It was considered the sign of most reverence, reverence to taking communion. Well, well yeah, I'm just reading why you guys. Well, there's some also some things there, though, that also have to do with, for instance, we know that Pope John Paul II uh, kissed, kissed in his uh, Koran. Koran. Um, a lot of the stuff that you see where in Europe they're making space in uh, Christian churches for Muslim prayer, 
Right. Uh, the, these are all these are all things that have come about because of. I think I think Vatican Nietzsche would III. find it all appalling. Well, well, the problem is, is that Nietzsche Nietzsche saw Christianity as a death cult. Now, what's interesting interesting about that is that um, he, however, he did not really have that negative of a view of Christ. He, he kind of admired him to a certain extent, in in, in some respects. His, <laughs> His major critique of, of the Christians and the apostles and later was that essentially when they set up the church, they became the Pharisees and the Pharisees, which was not what Christ, what Christ would have wanted. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, <clears throat> yeah, so that that's really for us because we're both Catholic. Uh, Vatican II, th- this Pope is, is an absolute horror show. He's a horror show for us. He he proposes absolute slave morality. He's he uh, believes that uh, you have to have the same respect for all religion as you hold your own, which which is a uh, a very flawed view. And, you know, I can be tolerant of people practicing their own religion, but that doesn't mean I have to respect their religion. Yeah. Now I will say that that one thing in particular does bother me about Christianity, and I'm a Christian, and I have a hard time with it. And I've talked with David about this, and that is the the idea of loving your enemy. I'm okay with loving my enemy as long as I can still kill him. <laughs> but other than that, I'm not down with loving my. I think that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And, well, he he goes on about it quite a bit. Quite a bit, I think there there isn't a month where he doesn't talk about Christians. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of weird when you know, even even uh, you know myself, I'm looking kind of at the Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, you know, as that man, how did they kind of hang on and just uh, stay so uh, stay so kind of upright? You know, I mean, kind of you know they uh, they they preserve their traditions. Um, mm-hmm. Just looking here, I'm on the Pope's Twitter right now. Um, I, I think we need we need a really smart pope, and that uh, he's talking about just unbridled altruism. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, um, I know a couple of days ago, I don't know, ban all weapons or something that will end the wars. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that's not really uh, actionable policy. Um, I, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know how they do this pipeline, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I spent a couple of years in Catholic school. I, I got a good, lear- you know, good, uh, good kind of orientation for church history, what you call church, uh, you know, pre, pre-Protestant history. And, um, but yeah, we, we really, um, Catholic church especially, uh, had the, uh, they had the, the intellectual, um, canon, and I, 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 I don't know. This is not the Pope. I mean, as far as I, you know, as I've studied uh, pre, you know, Catholic history, he's he's not kind of up there. He's not. Uh, I mean, just just thinking uh, in terms of what I mean, there were times in history when popes ruled the world. So um, I'm uh, I'm not seeing a whole one, a whole lot of uh, actionable policy here. Um, well, the bad know, part yeah. with us is, gosh, is that it's it's what what makes him probably worse than anything. I can handle his the stuff you're talking about. I mean, 
we know that that's not going to happen. We, we can handle that stuff. That that's the the issues that I have, for instance, though, is that you know the the coddling and protecting of sexual predators within the church. People who prey on children. Uh, right. He did. Also, the other thing here is that when people would bring it up and talk about what McCarrick versus Cardinal McCarrick did, he would accuse them of being he call him a Satan. Yeah, I, I saw that. Face. He calls people Satan. Right. Well, he did this in the like, like, ago, too. It's like That's Jewish. The time. Yeah. It's like, it's like using yeah, the word I, Jew. What's that, David? Oh. It's just like using the word Jewish. I guess so. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, you know. It's one of those things where... Where it just it, 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 modern Christianity is, is basically at this point, in my opinion, that the religion is fucked. We're, we're fucked. Yeah. We, something has to give. Something has mm. to give. <laughs> you ever watch Michael Voris? Gosh, have you ever seen uh, Michael Voris? No, I'm googling him now. Um, That's David. One of David. That's one of yeah the vortex. That's that's one of David's guys. He introduced me to Boris, and Boris is pretty. He's the he's the closest thing I've seen to an alt to a very strong Christian who's alt right and still very. I mean he's he's something else. He's impressive. As a that <clears throat> David David listens to him all the time, and like I said, you introduced him, introduced me to him, David. Yeah. So yeah, he's kind of. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Boris? Yeah, he's probably one of the leading voices that uh, led me along the way to the Catholic Church uh, and others. And um, he uh, he speaks in a very clear tone, and he gets across what he really means. He's he has a lot of uh, there's a lot of integrity with him. Uh, mm-hmm. He uh, he talks about a muscular Christianity, doesn't he? Yeah, muscular Catholicism that that we need a a masculine culture and men need to get back to being masculine, and that's the problem with Catholicism nowadays. If the laity and the um, lay people were um, um got back to a muscular Catholicism. Uh, masculine Catholicism, the world would meet, especially if we had masculine men in the church, that we would have a much different world. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can drop a, if you can drop a link to, to Michael on in my in the in the chat, I, I'll definitely take a look at him. So, all right, yeah, mass- pretty interesting mass- stuff. Fine. Cool. But uh, so so. Um, I guess the big question is what what kind of things have you been doing lately, Kosh? What what's been on your radar? Um, what's been on my radar other than uh well um I don't know why, but group activity has uh, dropped over a weekend. Uh, I think Facebook is uh downvoting the uh, downvoting my uh the group. I don't, I don't know if you've been in there but um uh, it's just over the course of a day to flip um, 
you're only getting one or two likes per post, sometimes none. And I think that uh, Facebook has uh, has kind of buried my uh, buried the group. I don't know if you've been been in there recently. I don't think anyone, it's like no one's getting notifications on the group. Nothing's happening. You know what I mean? They're just so not appearing on your. Do you think Facebook time. is? You think Facebook is shadow banning MetaChan? Yeah, yeah, just a little. I think. Uh, you know, we're not we're not crazy. I mean, we're not like hard net soak, and everyone's pretty smart. You know, acting decent, and uh, but um, yeah, we're. I think we're. We, you know, it's uh, it's kind of working on a new platform. To be honest, something outside the uh, Facebook sphere. So once I get that going, um, I'd be pretty excited to. Uh, is it an independent site, or are you going on to a new social social media platform? Yeah, yeah independent site, yep, independent. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'd like to definitely like to see that. Thank you. What what kind of, what do you want in terms of, uh, do you want to see, like, live, uh, live podcasting? Um, maybe... Uh, like a YouTube interface where you can also post. Yeah. Uh, that would be good, right? And, yeah, I uh, think that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. Okay. And um, also maybe uh, post posting forums too, so kind of a timeline when you when you log in. Um, yeah. Um, or you never know. You could you could uh, um, what do they call it? Um, you could, you could, we could, we could move off of Blog Talk Radio. We could move on to your platform. Oh, oh, wonderful, wonderful. That'll be a good. Uh, that'll be a good. Uh, good you could syndicate. Um, how would you, oh, I'm sorry. You could syndicate us. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, how would you do? Uh, how would you do call-ins? Um, or maybe you could give me some. Uh, you know, like I'm calling into you, and uh, right. How, how would that well, work? Well, um, this is something that David and I are exploring. I was just talking to David about today. We're probably going to uh, <clears throat> do make some changes to our platform, and that's something I can get with you about later. David, David and I can talk with you about and work with you on. And what if you're building an independent platform, then we can try to figure right. out something that. We just plug right into that, and that you you know essentially you have control of on the platform, and uh, something to that degree. I mean that that would be that'd be the way to go. I mean it may be something where we don't use a service like Blog Talk Radio at all anymore, but there's always you know Google Hangouts if we want to pay for that. That's one way to handle it. There's some there's some options there. Some options. Nice. Um, nice. So. Uh, so. And I think I think the other thing that we've been talking about, and this is some uh, David thought it, it kind of surprised me. You you seem like you, you kind of really like the idea, David, of doing doing punching left once a week, and then maybe starting a, a, a philosophy podcast and doing that once a week. So we do one episode of each per week. Yeah, that sounds like it could be a good idea. What do you think about that, Josh? Uh, you're saying one one politics uh, podcast and one, one philosophy touching, podcast. Yeah, one Go punching ahead. left, 
which is kind of like what we do now, and then one pure, more pure philosophy, more pure like film, art, literature, aesthetics, philosophy. Uh, oh yes, yeah, so something more, uh, something more academic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be right up my alley. I, I definitely enjoy that. I'll tell you why. Um, I was on this Robert Stark show one time, and I'll tell you, there were two of them, just like you guys. But 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 Stark was more into the aesthetics and the artistic side, and and his partner wanted to hear more about the kind of the social, the policy, the the uh, the, the cultural aspects, and it was a. I just kept it was like hot stepping because uh, uh, the, the the two weren't asking the same questions. You know what I mean? It was. Uh, mm-hmm. I told him later. I said maybe we should do a separate podcast for each person because I didn't I didn't know if uh, I didn't know if uh, this would work on the way it was going. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, I so, yeah we've been talking about it, and uh, but one of the reasons why is that. Um, David and I spent, have spent hours. We'll get on the phone <laughs> outside, no podcast, <laughs> and we'll we'll, we'll discuss. Yeah, David's laughing. We'll we'll discuss discuss film a lot. Uh, okay, I don't know, David. How, how many how many hours do you think we've talked about Taxi Driver? Oh yeah, that that movie can be. I, I we still have. We can analyze it on that other when we get that other podcast. We've we've talked to that about that movie a lot, like The Matrix a lot, Star Wars mm-hmm. a lot. Um, Are you have you watched Taxi Driver, Kosh? Yeah, I have. I was actually just gonna interject. I I just recently bought it in 4K. Uh, I think it cost me 40 bucks too. But um, my internet's pretty good. I'm in a major city, so I can't. I basically get it over fiber optics, uh, but I, yeah, I've, I've, if you ever see it in 4K, well, you feel like you're in the 70s. So yeah, uh, really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I was. Bored. I I remember the world in the 80s, but 70s is a is a TV show to me. But wow, wow. Um, hmm. Oh yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, so we 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 analyze that we we analyze that movie every which way and we just keep reanalyzing and re-breaking it down because there's so much in it. Yeah, the writer the writer Paul Schrader, yeah, he was going through he was going through the very thing that that character was going through, the writer. And he would grew up in a strict Calvinist uh home and so that so he was just like when he was writing he was kind of he's actually very, Pretty philosophy-minded, if I'm correct. Well, while writing this movie, while being a Calvinist at that time, still. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. so you say independent platform is on your radar. What else? What else are you working on besides the independent platform? Uh, Anything else going on out there? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, just just to add to that, I I just got to add some uh, text board attributes. You know, text board meaning uh, right now you can only post videos and blogs uh, and podcasts. You know, I want people to have a little bit of a blog ability. You know, so when you go in there, you can see what different people have posted. You know, you're following different Mm -hmm. people, and you can drop a comment in there. I think that would be a good way to talk to people. Uh, Facebook, uh, 
I mean, I'm okay, they're they're kind of a friend, but um, I I don't know, I don't I don't feel good, uh, I don't feel good, uh, you know, just uh, dropping dropping all my thoughts on Facebook. I I feel as if it's not, you know, you're being owned there, and um, yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they they say what is that? Uh, what is the term called in website? Um, uh, metadata. Metadata is uh, is something that you. Uh, it's a serious problem because if you have uh, if even they say like two percent of the population gives up their data, you kind of can predict the the, uh, the well, data for that. The they, other. They've changed what they're calling it again. They call it PII now. Oh really? What 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 is that? Personally, pers- personally identifi- identifying information. Oh, okay. Personal identity. Wow. Yeah. So, so they claim to anonymize it now? I I guess. I I think what's going on is that they've changed the name of it so that, uh, like anything else, they probably changed the name of it because they've changed in their terms and conditions. And PII means something slightly different than metadata, so they they figure they can get away with some more garbage. Got it, got it, got it. Um, but so yeah. so so you so you say I noticed that you started a few more page you started a few pages or whatever on on Facebook but I, I I'm intrigued you saw my blog and I haven't posted anything new up on that blog in about a year and a half or so but I'm gonna start putting stuff I was gonna start putting stuff back on it again the irony of that blog is that it's owned by Jeffrey Tucker and he's he's a left libertarian he's not real fond of ideas like the ones that I have but. Uh, at the same time, I like the idea of posting that kind of stuff on his on his platform because <laughs> he doesn't like it. Is it kind of like a stab in his bleeding heart? Yeah, sort of. Because I I don't know. You, did you did you look through some of that stuff at all? Did you just kind of glance over the stuff that I had put on that blog, Tosh? Uh, me? Yeah, yeah. I glanced through. I read all the titles and a couple of the topics mm-hmm. and I could dig into it tonight. Um, still, uh, still pretty early here. It's 1 a.m. on the East Coast. So, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I'm just. Go ahead. Which, well, which is which is sad. We're down to about 10 minutes. But uh, are you a night owl, Kosh? Bit of bit of a night owl. Um, it just kind of comes and goes. But uh, yeah, you know, nighttime. I like to. Uh, it's the best time to read. So. Um, just kind of going to pull up your links that you sent me. Um, just kind of mm-hmm. diving into the messenger here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely, I can definitely peruse your, uh, your, your, uh, your blog tonight. Um, I did not realize yeah, that. Liberty, oh, Liberty Me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Liberty Me. It's on Liberty Me. Yeah, yeah Liberty blog. Me is. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what's his name. That's Brian Tucker. That's uh, Jeffrey Tucker's. Tucker's. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And um, <clears throat> it, it cracks me up. But uh, so I don't know. So David, uh, uh, are you? Uh, are you? Um, uh, I forgot. I totally forgot what I was going to ask you. I hate it when I do that. But anyway, so so basically, Michael Voris, which is the link. That 
Clifton? Hey, bl he blanked out, but I'm looking at Michael Boris's, uh Wow. Are you there, Dave? Yeah, yeah, he has some interesting stuff, the topics he talks about on his on his YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh oh wow. Yeah, I just Googled his name. Um All right. Oh yeah, he's critic. He's going into the Pope. I just saw his Twitter and that was in the Google results. Um Yeah, he Yeah, he was um initially not even criticizing the Pope. He's like, then he had a, a video. I'll probably send this video to you. He was originally, people were kind of leaving Michael Voris because he was never criticizing the Pope until that Cardinal McCarrick situation uh, with Cardinal McCarrick, who was uh, the Pope, yeah, knew, of course, knew, knew that uh, under under Benedict, he already got defrocked, and he um, then, and he was told to spend his day. He was told to spend the rest of his days um, in penance by the previous pontiff Benedict. But when 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 Francis got in, Francis exonerated him, reinstated him as cardinal, and allowed. And allowed that guys, to, by the way. Okay. And he allowed that yeah, to happen. David. And then and then Michael Voris uh Michael Voris was saying that uh this was this is wrong. What we wouldn't criti he goes, we wouldn't criticize Francis because he's uh that was theologically, but this is morally and um uh, we and he was saying that he's coming back that Voris was saying he was coming back strong and saying that he's, um, Voris himself said he was coming, he himself was going to, uh, this time he thinks that the Pope has to resign and he had a very strong, long worded video about it saying that, uh, that, uh, if he doesn't resign immediately, that Francis will be, uh, more than likely torn to shreds by demons in hell. Mm. Oh, yeah, well, no, I'm just on his Twitter now. He's this guy. This guy looks like Duke Nukem. I mean, at least his face. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He's laughing yeah. at the same damn time. Uh, I hate when that happens. Yeah, Duke, Duke Nukem, uh, Duke Nukem. No, I just, uh, I just saw his YouTube video, and uh, he's, he, he, I did just had fifty thousand hits, which, uh, and then I just, I just said that he appears on the screen. And he's got a, he's a, he's sitting on a desk, but he's got a stance when he's talking to the. Uh, I mean, he, you know, those people they're like sitting, but they look like they're standing. I don't know. Uh, this this guy's got a presence, so. Um, Cool. Well, I'll, I'll look at some of his work. Um, 
I mean, what's the deal? I mean, isn't the same thing that happened to the Boy Scouts? I mean, they, uh, they, I guess they were forced to accept uh, girls. And, I mean, all these types of people, and then they got hit with uh, abuse lawsuits. Um, I don't know. And now, now I guess the female Boy Scouts decided they want their own chapters. I mean, is that a meme? Or um, not sure if. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't. Some had some people had made comparison between that and the uh, and the uh, and the Catholic Church, but I don't know. Catholic Church has been around a lot longer. So, um, all right, look at it. Yeah, I'm just kind of going through his, uh, yeah. his website. Yeah. I mean, his Twitter. Well, we're down to our we're, we're down below five minutes, so we probably we got another couple minutes, and then we'll. We'll wrap, gosh, but I think we're, I don't know, we're talking about doing another one earlier in the day on Sunday. I know that uh, some of us uh, need to go to Mass, and <clears throat> so it might be, it will, I doubt if it's going to be 10 o'clock at night, but we're, we're probably going to do an episode Sunday, maybe in the afternoon or something. Uh, what do you say, David? You think you think you're going to, that's on the schedule? Um, it might have to be late afternoon, maybe like, okay. maybe like five or six. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good to me. Um, and I, I'm good with that. Uh, so that's something. So, but anyway, um, it seemed like we had a, a. This was a good episode. Good, good productive episode. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about a lot of things. I was really glad that you came on, Kasha. Uh, it's always nice to have you on. We had you on once before. It was a great show. Love to have you on more often. Um, and uh, just talk about all sorts of different topics, you know. Uh, sometimes we have a little more of a of a theme to our shows. We really, not much of one this time. It was more of a, just an open discussion, which we do like to do those occasionally. So, But I, I'm definitely grateful that you came on and spent time to talk with us uh, tonight. I mean, kept you on pretty late and everything. And... Uh, David, I'm glad to glad that we were able to get together and do another one. It's been, been a few weeks, so. But anyway, and, uh, um, and I'm, you want to throw out there real quick, David? And I'm not on a muffled phone speaker, so now I'm on a mic. That's right. That's right. So, what about you, Kasha? If anything you want to throw out there, real super fast before we go, maybe 30 seconds. No, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, kind of calling in and phoning in with you guys. I've had a couple of podcasts now, and, uh, yeah, kind of looking forward to, uh, you know, talking in a more formal setting. Uh, glad you got the mic going there, David. I could definitely hear a little static. I didn't know if it was raining in Missouri. So uh, just a good night to everyone, and uh, good talking to you guys. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. talk again soon. Everybody have a good night, and we'll be punching back in in a few days. And I'll definitely send you a link for that, Kasha. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. it. Much, much appreciate it. Looking forward. All right. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Close all university departments for black, Latino, women, gender, queer studies, and so forth as incompatible with science and dismiss its faculties as intellectual imposters or scoundrels. 
as well demand that all affirmative action commissars, diversity and human resource officers from universities on down to schools and kindergartens be thrown out onto the street and be forced to learn some useful trade. Six, crush the anti-fascist mob. The transvaluation of all values throughout the West, the invention of ever more victim groups, the spread of affirmative action programs, and the relentless promotion of political correctness has led to the rise of an anti-fascist mob, tacitly supported and indirectly funded by the ruling elites. This self-described mob of social justice warriors has taken upon itself the task of escalating the fight against white privilege through deliberate acts of terror directed against anyone and anything deemed racist, right-wing, fascist, reactionary, incorrigible, or unreconstructed.